In this episode, we geek out over The Division, Star Wars fan films, and Season 2 of Daredevil, freak out over The Shannara Chronicles, Gotham, and X-Men Apocalypse, review Man Up, Dying Light, and Batman Bad Blood, then play the fake news game. All this and more on The Geek Generation. Everybody, welcome to the Geek Generation. I'm your host Rob Logan, joined in the studio by Anna. Hey now, and Paulo. You know what you did. That's you know the. What you did. That's the. That's the go back to. Yeah, that's, one. That's my go to. Yeah, that is the go to. It's a nice one. I like it. Uh, we have a lot to talk about this week, so we might as well not waste any time and get right into it and start with our geek outs. Yay! Anna, I need to go first. Yeah, you I lost my first. job. <laughs> <laughs> I know why that's a geek that's out for a you. That's a geek out because I fucking hated my job. Yeah. I hated it. I hated it. I worked there for ten years and it was soul crushing and horrible. So I've been unemployed, which is fantastic. Yeah, except for like the the no money thing. Oh, but you're probably right. are you collecting? Yeah, I haven't got a check yet though. Oh, okay. Because the government, right? But but you will. Yeah, it's coming. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I had like two weeks vacation left over nice. and I actually worked a holiday the week before I got fired because I got fired. That was weird too. Cause I didn't do anything, mm. but anyway, so I had a nice little cushion built up. So I've been fine financially. Mm. It's been fine. And, um, so I have two new jobs that I haven't started yet, oh. but I have two new jobs because one of them is uh, working for a freelance graphic design firm. So this guy has an LLC, so he's a company, mm-hmm. but he does freelance. Sure. And he can't do all of his work. He, like, doesn't have time, so he is throwing me stuff. Nice. Um, which is great because I can do all that from home, which is awesome. I love being home. I love my home. I love my house. I love my dogs. I love being home. I don't want to have to go anywhere. Working at home is fun. It's pretty awesome. And then my other job is just a part-time job to sort of like pay my mortgage because the freelance stuff is so sporadic. Mm-hmm. So this is just going to be 20 hours a week. And it's not like that that exciting, but it's just nice that now I'm going to have like some place to go in the morning. So I like have to shower mm. um, <laughs> and, and put on and pants, put on pants yeah. and leave the house, right, you know, because right. some I've heard like some work from home people. I don't think I would have this problem because I like get up and work out every day anyway. Like I've been eating my breakfast and like eating my salads for lunch and taking the dogs for walks and mm-hmm. being active. But a lot of people I've heard that work from home, like sort of turn into hermits and they like forget how to interact with people like when they're home all the time you know like if they're home all the time and don't have somewhere to go and don't have people other than like their spouse or their dog to talk to um so i think it'll be healthy and good for me to like have somewhere to go every day but it's only for a a few hours and then i get to come home and do the graphic design stuff and be with my dogs did i mention that i'm really excited to be home with my dogs no did that come up at all (laughs) because i love them and like as soon as all of this happened the first thing i said to my husband was was like we can get a puppy oh no he was like no (laughs) no so i'm just kidding i'm not gonna get a puppy yet until the dogs die, and then I'm going to get a puppy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but that's probably not for another, like, five years. Right, right. But, yeah, so I'm, like, just so – I'm so much happier in general. Like, my geek out is just that I'm not flipping miserable anymore. That's so good. So it's so good. That's I don't good feel, for all of us in your proximity. <laughs> it is. It is. Because, like, yeah, I'm just happier. Like, everything's great. I'm, like, everything – because up till that point, everything was great. Like, I love my house. I love my husband. I love my – dogs but i hated my job Mm. so it's like the final piece to the puzzle it's like i don't hate my job anymore this is great sounds great let's make america great again. (laughs) everything's great (laughs) happy um my other geek out is i've been re-watching all of the old doctor who's for a while now and i'm finally on the fourth doctor Mm -hmm. who's my second favorite doctor and he really is He's one of the best ones. Like, everybody will tell you that. It's Tom Baker. And um, even the storylines just get a lot better. Like, the one of them that's probably I would tell anybody that watches the new series to go back and watch is the Genesis of the Daleks. Mm. Because it's a really, like, you know, quintessential Doctor Who story. And it gives you a ton of backstory on the Daleks and really helps you understand everything that happened there. And it definitely links up to some of the new episodes, especially in um, I don't know what se- I don't know what seasons they are, but the one with Donna. Sure. 
that it totally like links up to that one. So if you're not into old Doctor Who, I at least definitely suggest that you go back and watch Genesis of the Daleks because it's one of the absolute best series. So I'm just loving that. See, um, Third Doctor was like a little slow. I'd never seen him before. I saw like one, two, four, and then I sort of skipped around the later oh, yeah. ones. But I'd never watched really any of that Third Doctor, and he was a little boring. So mm. I'm really excited to be. Who was the Third Doctor? Uh, John Pertwee. Oh, Pertwee. Pertwee. And there was nothing yeah. wrong with him as the Doctor. Mm-hmm. It was like his sto- the storylines that he was given. He was trapped on Earth. It's like, why yeah. would you do that? Why would you do that? And I think they did it because they gave it like less budget or something. So they just like would dress guys up in costumes, but they didn't like do whole sets on other planets. But and stuff for what like that. the doctor's capable of, that's such small storytelling. Yeah. I yeah. mean, for I could see that for like one or two episodes, like having that be something that happened. Mm-hmm. But they dragged it out for almost his entire, like he only got control of the TARDIS back at the very end of his run. Oh, so it's just like. I'm like, all right. Like, I like the Brigadier. Like, he's cool. And I liked his companions. But it was just kind of like, all right, move it along. Yeah. So I'm super excited cool. about that. Paulo? Just Doctor Who. <laughs> so good. So good. If I had time, I, I would. Yeah, there's no time. There's 50 it. years of content you have yeah, to yeah. catch up on. 50 I'm going to have to get years. to it like when I retire yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, my first geek out is I too have a new job. Yes, new jobs. Quality of life has improved Yay! dramatically. It's like we're grown ups or something. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, I think every everybody who's in like the legal profession goes through some form of this. Like you slog away at getting killed at your job for you know a certain amount of time, and then you eventually make the jump to like a company or like somewhere. Like as in-house counsel and you, you don't have to go to court anymore. Mm-hmm. Like your hours are stabilized because it's not governed by, you know, a certain number of billable hours per week. Just general improvement in the quality of life. Cause now I'm working for a company as opposed to like a law firm. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and, and I, I like, I posted something on social media about it. And like a lot of my lawyer friends are like, ah, oh, yes. <laughs> I Welcome understand. to the fold. <laughs> like they understand like that that sigh of relief after you know that first week on the new job where you're like like you're kind of shedding the paranoia of like certain elements of the job that sure, sure. you might have maintained from before like this this past friday like i wore jeans and sneakers to work and nobody yelled at me whoa yeah i felt like i was getting away with murder i was like <laughs> like i was literally like like i would pick my pick up my pace going to the bathroom because i didn't want anybody to see me <laughs> and, i'm such a scrub but people in hr were like that's perfectly fine you can wear that every day if you want i'm like every day i can wear jeans every day <laughs> like just the hallelujah chorus in my mind is just like right. the light beyond the horizon like right. it's all just like oh this is amazing and it's like it's a software company too so you get a lot of like free stuff like food and drinks and stuff there's like a whole kitchen with just like free food and drink and you're just like <laughs> what what, did what I is do? this magical wonderland <laughs> what have i done to deserve this this is I'm, amazing wait, you're paying me yeah wait, no, what? Get this. it's like it's so to much go to this fairyland every day where i wear jeans and eat food <laughs> yeah like, this is amazing <laughs> So yeah, it's my first geek out. Second geek out is the division. It's finally here. The it is division. Here. Tom Clancy's the division. Um, it. I will say this. It's very repetitive. Is it? I mean, there's. I mean, you know, there's a lot of just like, hey, there's these people over here that need help. Go over there, shoot a bunch of bad guys, and or turn on a bunch of scanners, and or do you know uh, the the tasks can be repetitive, but I mean the exploration aspect is cool. Um. I like the cover shooter, third person mm-hmm. shooter sort of years of war sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the leveling is fun. I mean, I'm still, you know, maybe about a week into the game, but I only, I'm only level 13. Okay. Level cap is 30. So there is a, there is a challenge to it. You know, like I'm not breezing through everything. Um, dying repeatedly, which to me is new. Cause like, <laughs> you know, like in other games, like even in other like sort of MMO type games, you can like, you can super level yourself beyond content. So like, let's say an area is for like level eight to 12, like you could grind out like side missions and get to like 14 or something. Mm-hmm. And then just make like the story stuff super easy for yourself. But sure. It's a little bit difficult to do that. Okay. Like you can't like super level yourself in the game. So the challenge is still there. And it's like, you know, it's just fun. Like, uh, I was looking forward to this game. Um, I haven't gone into the dark zone yet, which is the place where you can like 
like betray your teammates. Yeah, I um I did get in on the beta before it was over, uh-huh. so I did play a little bit and I played like the story part of it. Yeah, but I never ended up being able to go into that area. I was like, when is someone gonna betray me? I didn't realize that it was a separate yeah thing. It's like a whole new zone in the game on the map, and like we tr- like me and my friends tried going into it when we were like level ten. Not a good idea. No, even though it's capped, like it's it's adjusted for your level. So if you're level ten, you're going into an instance of the dark zone that is like nine to twelve. Okay, so you're, it's not like people are outrageously overpowered, mm-hmm. but everything does have more health and. Um, there are a lot more like advanced enemies, like enemies that are like either purple bar or yellow barred health, meaning that they have more health and armor. Mm-hmm. So it's a challenge. And, um, part of the reason why people don't go into the dark zone until they hit 30 anyway is because the gear that you get in there will just become obsolete in like a couple of hours oh, because okay. you've kind of out leveled it sure. in the, in the, the story mode. But I'm having fun. Um, again, I'm FPL45 on Xbox Live. Uh, if you want to play Division with me, let me know. Um, I'm usually on like late at night during the week and maybe sometimes on the weekends. But add me and uh, just let me know that you heard this on the Geek Generation and uh, we can play. Is Destiny in the rear view now? Which is funny. <laughs> <laughs> it is because Destiny is like that abusive relationship that I was right. in for like a year. Right. But they just released uh, like a news story that said they're going to raise the level cap and kind of reactivate old content. But I'm like, ah, I'm over it. She like, can't just show up with a new outfit and be all no. pretty again. Yeah, you no. can't just flash your tits and be like, you know, <laughs> come back to me. And it's like, no, I, I've got, I've moved on. Yeah, I found the division. Now, now that I'm, I'm away more from it, than yeah, that, okay? yeah, I have more self respect. I know than what that. it feels like to be in a good relationship now. <laughs> yeah, now I know what it feels like to be in a healthy relationship with somebody who loves me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, I can't believe I'm talking and about And his him. name is Tom Clancy. <laughs> <laughs> Tom is very good to me. Um, recently, another another geek out of mine, recently there were a couple of Star Wars fan films that mm-hmm. came out uh, that made it onto pages like io9 and uh, the like. Uh, one was called Darth Maul Apprentice. Uh, it's like a 18-minute fan film that focuses on uh, what Darth Maul was doing just prior to episode one, mm-hmm. uh, he was kind of like in hiding in a secret of Emperor Palpatine's, and uh, he encounters a bunch of Jedi on a planet, and lightsaber battles ensue, and it's pretty awesome. Pretty good lightsaber battles too. Yeah, like it's uh, I, I dare I say it's like Ray Park level for yeah. Darth Maul at least. And the guy they got to play Maul, good lord, yeah. Like, just, was that Ray Park? I mean, jeez, like, he looks like so a much like him. Bidding image, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know Darth Maul does have a lot of makeup. But I mean, he does like even the mannerisms. And exactly. Stuff, he doesn't scowl or growl a whole lot in the fan film. But I mean, he does. He's very evocative of Darth Maul, like even could be like a younger Darth. Yeah, Maul. really good job. Yeah. And the other one is uh, Star Wars Exile, uh, which is not as good as the Darth Maul, no. Darth, Darth Maul film. But I mean, it is Star Wars and it's out there and it was a fan <laughs> film and it was free on YouTube. Yeah. Um, it's, it kind of follows like the story of a troubled Jedi after, uh, Order 66 is handed down. Um, there was a s- small twist at the end. The Sith in that is kind of like, I wasn't too attracted to it. No. It was weird what they did with like the force and how like they were so heavily invested in like force manipulation and force pushing and stuff. Yeah. It, it was, was strange. Like, like, you know, like light, like when you think about Star Wars, like what's the cool thing? Like flashy lightsabers, lightsaber battles. That's the thing that makes it fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Not like guys that are pretending to do that thing that you used to do when you were <laughs> six years old, you know, like it's kind of like it's it was a little weird. But I mean, it was good in its own respect. It did reference um, Kanan Jarrus, who's the sort of like the Jedi master in Star Wars Rebels. OK, which if I mean, you listened to me last week, you knew that. I kind of have a problem with the story of Star Wars Rebels and how like inconsequential it is because you know what's going to happen to the guy later. Mm-hmm. They they could have gone without that link and probably made it a more uh, story I'd be more invested in. But mm. otherwise, you know, a couple of good films. That's about 30 minutes worth of viewing time. Check it out. You can find both on YouTube. I'll link to them on thegeekgeneration.com uh, in the show notes. Darth Maul Apprentice, I thought, was very well done. Yeah. Effects are really solid. Production level on both were pretty high. Yeah. I was surprised how how much they could accomplish. I don't know what they were budgeted or mm-hmm. what they were doing or 
but both looked very, very uh, good. The story behind Apprentice was a lot stronger. Yeah. I thought Exile got a little confusing. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I noticed while watching Exile that really uh, pulled me out of it for a minute is that despite all the production value they have, they forgot a very, very simple piece, and that was the uh, background hum sound of the lightsabers. Yeah, 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 and it yeah. feels like a vacuum they're fighting in almost because yeah. you don't hear that familiar hum of the lightsaber. And it's mm-hmm. like, that's a sound effect that you loop in the background while they're on. Yeah. That's so easy to do, and very I can't simple. believe it was yeah. missed. But, yeah. It's kind of like they're fighting with glow sticks. Exactly. Yeah. My last geek out is something that's been around for a while, but I've only recently sort of thought about maybe investing in it because I have like a new place to display them, namely my workplace. <laughs> um, are these are a couple of sets of action figures. Um, uh, one of them is the, uh, variant play arts Kai series. I think they're linked with Square Enix. The video game company. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. They do all the Final Fantasy yep. figures. Yeah. They do all the Final Fantasy figures, but they also do like the Square Enix style of different characters from other universes. Mm-hmm. The ones that I saw were like they did a Boba Fett one that looked sick. Yeah. Like it was just like all metallic y and Boba Fett was just like the way that his position, like I just, you can look, find these all on Amazon, by the way. If you just plug in Varian Play Arts Kai, like you'll find like a whole slew of different characters they they're have beautiful Cap- yeah, yeah. Like they have this like great metallic paint finish there's captain america there's uh I, I don't know if they sell the the square enix batman that looked like crazy robot gundam batman they were selling that i they believe do, right? i saw it at a few cons yeah and yeah. i think they sell it on amazon too it's like 250 bucks it's but, nuts yeah but it's insane like the detail and everything uh, so that was one the other one is uh from Bandai. It's called the Bandai Tamashii Nations, like sort of line. Uh they do like a like ancient Japanese inspired uh Star Wars figures. Mm-hmm. The one that I'm like ninety percent sure I'm gonna buy is Ronin Boba Fett. So it's like Boba yeah, Fett, but yep. he's wearing like like samurai armor. He has like a sword, but he also has the gun, but the gun is like an old style musket. Nice. And like yep. it's you can't manipulate the figure at all. It just kind of stands there, but it looks sick. And they have like, uh, they have like the Samurai Stormtrooper and, uh, Samurai Darth Vader. Samurai Vader is awesome. Yeah. Darth Vader has like two swords. He has the lightsaber and like a regular katana. Mm-hmm. Like the Bondi ones are like 90 bucks. So they're more, a little bit more affordable. And so it's like, oh, it's so tempting. <laughs> <laughs> like I want to buy it and I want to put it on a shelf somewhere and yeah. just look at it. But, and it's kind of like the, five-year-old six-year-old nerd in me that used to like love those um you know plastic uh models that you put together sure like for like they used to have them for gundams like uh the big intricate ones that you spent like hours putting together and painting i could never get those because they were always like three hundred dollars at oh, the yeah, store yeah, yeah. and like you know i didn't have like the finger dexterity to put them together <laughs> and like my dad was like hell no i am not spending like 25 <laughs> hours putting that together for you i don't so, even know what this is supposed to look like <laughs> yeah like i am not good at following these directions like you do it yourself when you're an adult yep. and now i'm an adult yay so, I do what i want <laughs> i do what i want i put models together yeah all right, uh, my geek outs. I too have a new job. Yay! No, I'm just kidding. I just wanted uh, to be part of the group. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I, I'm in negotiations for a new job, so that's that's something. We're sending new job vibes, vibes at yeah. you. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Hopefully, in the near future, I will have a new job. But unfortunately, nothing to announce right now. My first geek out is Daredevil season two. So excited. At the time of recording, I am not done with it yet. I'm only five episodes in. Only. Only. I know for, for, for those, our time traveling friends and the way the <laughs> podcast is recorded, uh, it dropped yesterday. So I'm, I'm doing okay being five episodes in, even though there are people that have consumed the entire thing already. Uh, I will give away no spoilers, of course, but I will say, that this version of the Punisher is fucking awesome. Yay! Uh, it's, it's interesting how they're structuring the season. I thought certain things would present themselves and, uh, work themselves out in different ways. And it is surprising me and I like it. Uh, I think they made a really smart decision. I didn't realize that they were going to update Daredevil's costume a little bit. No, okay. and they Everybody do. Everybody hated it. 
the the like square helmet almost looking was my biggest issue when they revealed it at the end of the first season because it did look very blocky for a helmet. But they they not only uh, came up with a new version of the costume. He does start with the original one that he had. Uh, they do update the costume a little bit and they do it in a smart way. They don't just go, oh, new costume. So they do actually give a reason for that all happening, which is very smart. So, again, only five episodes in. Much more to go, but still excited for very uh, many more. I'm I'm loving the drops and the references. They do reference Jessica Jones at one point. They do mention her by name. So uh, that's all I'll say. Yay. That's all I'll say. That's what I'm doing tonight. Okay. <laughs> uh, my second geek out is that self-lacing Nikes are real now. Yeah. They're real now. Yeah. Nike has unveiled its first really working self-lacing shoe. The Nike Hyper Adapt 1.0 senses the presence of the wearer's heel and tightens its laces accordingly. Once the shoe is on, the wearer can adjust the fit with two buttons on the side to get the right fit. The Hyper Adapt 1.0 is set to arrive this holiday season in three colors and will go on sale only to Nike Plus members for an unspecified price. Ooh, yeah. there's the catch. There's the catch. But the tech, the thing, the thing is that the For technology now. is here, right? Yeah, right. And it's and they applied it in a shoe that is ready to face a client's uh, needs. So I think that means that they're going to incorporate it into just about every shoe that they can, right? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to think like this: the the model that they use for this is very like vanilla so to speak they use like an air max platform which is like a running sort of trainer platform mm-hmm. but i mean you can imagine it being in like a casual shoe sure or like I absolutely mean, can you imagine the amount of shoes that they're going to sell when like lebron james puts it into one of his exactly yeah. or like you know any one of the basketball shoes like this technology is in the right hands mm-hmm. and it's going to take off yeah. i mean it's going to be in a lot of shoes like five years from now yeah yeah so. i mean i love how it's nike not i mean obviously it's nike because of the movie but that it's a like major shoe company because they're going to be able to come out with it probably on a mass scale and um like people have already said it's good for like disabled people or oh, like autistic think about those people things, yeah. because they have to sell like um older autistic kids that have bigger feet obviously like little kids have velcro and stuff mm-hmm. but for people with normal size feet that maybe you know not have the capability to be able to lace their own shoes. They have to buy like special like elastic band laces and like relace all their sneakers. Mm-hmm. But it's like if you can just go buy a pair of Nikes and it's already self-lacing, like, you know, it's a lot easier to hit a button than to try to have the dexterity to tie a pair of shoes. Totally. So the fact that it's a major big company that's going to probably do this on a large scale and have them be widely available, popular. So first of all, the kid doesn't have to be self-conscious because mm-hmm. he's wearing these goofy laces because mm-hmm. he can't tie his laces too. So it's like it's got a lot of good applications, I think. Yeah. I'm less excited about the shoe itself. Like, it's great that we're getting self-lacing shoes. I'm more excited about the fact that a movie inspired the technology. Right. Like, that's so cool that the imagination present in the movie inspired someone to, granted, all these years later, but inspired somebody to actually make that technology. That's so cool. Yeah. I think this is, like, the the most high-profile example of something – in fiction driving a technology to market because mm-hmm. like you if you think about it like star trek i mean you guys are trekkies yeah right star trek is like science fact yeah, yeah. like a lot of the it's things, getting there a lot, yeah, of, a lot of the things that they developed for the show are i mean something even as stupid as like the communicator that flipped open i mean we have a flip like phone that, right yeah. yep. so i the mean pad is a, an ipad now i mean right. it was called a pad yeah right. <laughs> they weren't <laughs> No, they totally had those. But like the self-lacing Nike, the sneakers is like, it's something that's so like my, like when you think about like shoes, the last Mm -hmm. thing you think about is laces. Right, right. Like you think about like the the look of the shoe, the function of the shoe, not necessarily how your shoe fastens itself, right? Yeah. But it's so small yet such, it has such a big impact. I mean, I I think we're going to see it all over the place and I could do without the lights. Yeah. Oh, see, I like the lights. I could do without the lights. I mean, yeah. I think the lights. There will be shoes without the light. Yeah. I'm sure. But this is definitely modeled after the Air Max yeah. to start with, and then they'll probably branch out from there. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be the pricier model. Right. 
Yeah, I can't wait till they like. But one of the things I didn't like about the the model that they showed in the videos for like Mashable and stuff are like the that you can hear the motor running mm-hmm. like when the the laces tighten. If they can do it where it's like a silent motor and all you just feel are the laces. I'm sure all that is in the near future. Right. Yeah, I mean yeah. this is model one. Yeah. It's going to be sick. So excited. So cool. So excited. All right. Let's jump into our freakouts. Oh, freakout. Anna. Um, it's not a huge freakout. It's just like a little freakout. Mm-hmm. But I'm not enjoying the Shinar Chronicles as much as I wanted to enjoy them. Mm. It's I'm still watching them, but I'm not like dying for the next episode. You know, when I watch Dexter, like I'll look over at my husband, I'll go, should we watch one more? Yeah. Should we watch one more? You know, and it's the same thing with like Daredevil and you can't wait for the next one. And it's just not like that. It's also really, 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 really different from the book. Oh, like so different. Yeah. It's like crazy amounts of different. Oh. And I went through the, you know, trouble to like read the book first. And now I'm like. Didn't have to do Didn't that, to, really. Yeah. Like, were the books enjoyable, at least? They were good. I'm on the second one. Well, no, I'm technically on the third one because Terry himself told us Said to start with, with the, the second, second one. Right, so yeah. I read the second one. I have the first one, but I haven't read it, and I'm reading the third one. Um, I'm enjoying the third one more than the second one. It was a little slow at times, which I think is why they probably embellished the show a bit. Mm-hmm. But there are things in the in the show that don't need to be in there. Um, and then there are things that it's missing that I missed, um, like a major plot point that was one of my favorite parts of the book. Uh, they skipped yeah. over it. And I'm like, ah, what are you doing? So I'm just like, I was just really, really hyped up for it, which is why I try not to get hyped up about things. Right, right. This is why I keep telling you people, <laughs> like, I don't want to watch trailers. I don't want to get excited because you end up getting disappointed. You yeah. know, I was really, really, really excited. And it's just like sort of fallen short. It's not terrible. It's not. Um, It's just there's something about it. I like it. I think it has a lot of potential. I think yeah. it hasn't realized that potential. And I think they're definitely still finding their footing and building the world properly because they're they're breaking their own rules. Yeah. Which is, and not necessarily breaking rules, but I guess just kind of general inconsistencies. Yep. Uh, how far in are you? I don't know. Cause I was going to mention something about like, like the last episode. Five but or I won't. five or six. I don't even okay. care. Cause I read, the, I do think it's going to end the same. If it doesn't end the same, then that's going to be real weird and people okay. are going to be really upset. So yeah. I don't really, I mean, I'm watching it. So I'm sort of, I feel like I'm like making myself watch it. And I kind of felt the same feeling. way. Yeah. Because, because I, had the loyalty to yeah. the show because we talked to Terry and we talked to yeah. some of the stars and directors of it. So I do, I always feel that loyalty when I do do that. Yeah. And I, I want to like it more than I do, mm-hmm. but I do see the potential there where there are other shows that I've watched wanting to like, and be like, Oh, this is garbage. Yeah. But I've not felt like oh, visually it's, it's stunning. It's beautiful. It's stunning. Yeah. Like they had the budget and they used it and they used it in the right ways. Like it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. So you get to give it that. The music, blah. but it's probably because it's on MTV. So yeah. they're like, we have to make this sort of for younger There are some songs in there people. that I, I definitely roll my eyes at. Yeah. You're just like, even like Mike can't even watch the, my husband can't watch the opening credits. Oh, really? Oh, he's like, I can't stand that. Oh, see, that, I, I, that, that grew on me that real That type of voice that female voice mm-hmm. that's very popular right now like he can't handle it okay. i don't like it either but he can't like he's it's like nails on a chalkboard yeah. to him. he's just like oh mute it uh. see one of the most interesting things about the world that they have set up that i wish they would explore more of and maybe they do in the book and they just don't have the time in the series because they're moving the story forward but i'm so interested in the fact that unlike lord of the rings this isn't middle earth this is our world and it's years and years and years and years in the future, and mankind has changed so much. Or like, okay. I, I want to know more about that. Get this though, in the books, it's even less prominent. Really, it literally is like of no consequence in the books at all. Wow. Like they they ignore that, which is one of the things I was excited about too. Yeah, like looking at the preview, like the fact that the like opening scene of the preview was the space needle. Mm-hmm. Like they don't even talk about the past. Wow. Like when they do discuss it, they just say like it was such a long time ago that it's nobody remembers. It's ancient, ancient, ancient history. Yeah. Like to the point where that stuff probably wouldn't even be around. Mm. Like the Space Needle will probably be completely gone. It's it was so long ago. Wow. So that's not that's of no consequence whatsoever in the book. That's a shame. Yeah. I think it's, it's like, a really interesting aspect it is. of the world. It's like it's there, so why don't you do something with it? Right. Yeah. 
Hmm. And then, of course, as the sequels go on, you're being pushed even further away from that Mm -hmm. because they're each 20 years apart. So you're even further. Wow. Yeah. So it's weird. I haven't heard anything about a season two yet. So I guess it remains to be seen if it's gotten picked up. And it's weird, too, because, again, it's 20 years later. So you're talking about a completely new cast. And then in addition to that, they're using, which I just met him last episode, but the... um. The gnome slanter Mm -hmm. is a main character in the second book. Oh, okay. He's not in the first one. Wow. So it's like, why are you using him now when he's a main character and a good guy? I bet we're not going to see that jump. That 20-year jump is probably not going to happen. Then the second book doesn't make sense. I mean, it's weird. I don't know. I don't know. In the same same way that The Walking Dead kind of uses the same origin point and then branches off and does its own thing, but still brings things up, I think it's going to be something like that. I think this isn't going to be a direct translation of the books. I think this is the world they're setting up using the second book. Right. And then they're just going to go and create their own story based off of it. Yeah, maybe. That'd be weird. Yeah. I'm curious to see what happens. And I I would tune in for a second season. Yeah. But I do think they need to get some work done to I think make they it. They need to get off MTV. I think that might be one of the problems. Yeah, I think yeah. that's a huge problem. I think they tried to make it like young and hip. Yep. And it was like, no, it's it's like a nerdy show. Yeah, like, it, it is. It really nerdy. is. You know, yeah. it's not cool. It's nerdy. I yeah. mean, it's cool in the sense that we think things are cool, but not the way <laughs> most people think things are the, are cool. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. I think that's it because I'm so freaking happy about my new job and I'm like, oh, nothing's bothering me right now. Paulo, did you have any? No, because I'm positive as fuck. Yay! All right. Woo! I literally have no time to be negative. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, you know, yeah. just, things that's are going cool. well. So it's cool. I, I got plenty of time to be negative. <laughs> <laughs> You'll fill in the I'll gap. be negative for everybody. <laughs> uh, so in the same way that I said, I feel like sometimes I'm watching Shannara. Because I feel like I should be or need to be. I'm feeling that way about Gotham now. Mm. I kind of was at the beginning. But I'm even more so now. And everyone was talking about how the the villain thing in season two was elevating it so much and everything. And I don't know. There's there's a lot of complaints I have with it. So And most of them do exist with the second season. Like The first season was very much world building. And the penguin was such a strong character in the first season that I was like so forgiving of other things. I was like, this dude's performance alone is making me watch this show because mm-hmm. he's uh, Robin Lord Taylor is killing it yeah. in the first season of Gotham. He's a much smaller part of what I've seen so far in season two, even more so in this uh, second half of the season that I've been watching. Nowhere near as compelling. And it's not his fault in any way whatsoever. They're just bringing other people up to be more prominent roles. Because you can't have just the same villain the whole time, obviously. They recently did a run with one of my favorite Batman villains, Mr. Freeze. So I was very excited to see him come in. And uh, I'm, I'm going to get in a little bit of spoiler territory here. So if people don't want to hear spoilers about Gotham, go if you guys don't mind. Cause, it's fine. All right. Cause well, I, I was I'm gonna. Sure. I was thinking about watching it, and now it's not just you; it's a bunch of other yeah. people. And I'm like, well, now maybe I won't, because like, why get invested in something yeah. that you're ultimately not going to love? Right. And isn't it? I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, but, go ahead. Um, isn't it run at the same time slot as Supergirl too? I have no idea. I th- I know a lot of people just watch it later, <laughs> yeah. but I did read an article about somebody that's like. Supergirl is so much better right now it and is. they're competing. It is. So it's just like forget about Gotham. So like yeah. now I'm not I'm really not even planning on watching it now. So everyone knows one of the most compelling things about Freeze as Mr. Freeze is his love for his wife and he's trying to save her the whole time cuz she's just frozen in a block of ice and it's weird now because we're getting introduced to Victor and Nora and he's kind of becoming Mr. Freeze while she's still like alive and conscious. So she's watching him turn into this villain. And then that changes the whole dynamic because when he comes out on the tail end, she might be like, oh, well, I don't even want you anymore because I saw what happened to you and Mm -hmm. what eventually you had to do to get me cured. Whereas Nora originally got frozen in the same thing that caused the accident that turned Victor to become Mr. Freeze. So she had no idea like he had done all this stuff and become this guy and whatever. And even worse they kill her. They kill Nora Freeze, like in the second or third episode that Freeze is in. And now what? 
Yeah. And, and then, then they turn him into Mr. Freeze. Like they actually create some sort of an accident that turns him into Mr. Freeze, like the one we know, and she's dead. So what, what is his motivation anymore? Yeah. It's mm-hmm. gone. The driving force behind the what? most interesting yeah. thing about Mr. Freeze is no longer a part of that character, which shows me how little the Gotham writers understand the universe they're writing. Yeah. I understand it's an else world, but there are things that define characters. Yeah. And that is a defining part of Mr. Freeze. So you can't take that away. Can't really deviate from that archetype. No. It's, it's literally the reason he becomes Mr. Freeze. Yeah. Yeah. Other than the accident, of course. They do a similar thing and they, they threw a whole red herring at us for the Joker. They introduced this character that had mannerisms and voice and his name began with a J and like they were leading us down this path of this guy's going to be the Joker. And then they killed him. And we were like, what is even going on Why right now? Why would you bother? And I remember reading a quote by some of the writers of the show or producers. Or I don't even remember who it was saying that. Well, like to us in our world, the Joker isn't just a character. He's more like an ideology. And, and I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> like, this is the dumbest shit I've ever heard. So because this is a prequel and Anna were ta- and I were talking about it a little before we started recording is that prequels suffer from a lot of problems anyway because they have lower stakes. Because we know where these characters are all going. Gotham suffers from this one incredibly because it's not just this small pool of characters, like main characters that we know how they're going to end up. It's the entire world. We know where each of these characters is supposed to end up. And again, I understand it's an else world and they're taking liberties, but it's just breaking too much for my fandom to handle. (laughs) And I don't know if I can handle it. So like they're setting up this world that has all these villains. And I feel like that's the thing that's keeping me hooked. And that's why they're doing it. They realize maybe the show is not as good as it should be. Hmm. And they're like, here's a person, you know, and here's a person, you know, and here's a person, you know. And I'm like, I want to see what they're going to do with them. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, they're creating their own downfall because we have Bruce at the age he's at. By the time he becomes Batman, he's going to come back into the city and Gordon's going to drop this like stack of case files and be like, we know everything about these villains already. Right. And it takes away the whole dynamic of, oh, did Batman actually cause the villain problem? Mm-hmm. Like, was it a response to him being in Gotham that we have super villains? Be like, no, these guys have been here for a decade. We're good. We we know everything about these people. Right. So what's the point? It's it's defeating itself. Yeah. It does sound like and I don't watch Once Upon a Time, but it sounds like the same thing, which is they're like, oh, wait, um, the girl from Brave's going to be in it this week. So tune in. Right. Or the, yeah, it just sounds like a, a, a money making scheme at this point. Like they're going to tune in because they're going to the Joker's going to show up eventually. So these people are going to watch it. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, it sounds like they're just losing any sense of like plot or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I feel like I've gotten to a point where I just don't care that much anymore and there are so many characters and so many different things going on that that they don't have enough time with any of them to make them interesting anymore it oh. used to be about gordon it barely feels like that i don't even know what it's about and also we know who the best victor freeze is arnold schwarzenegger <laughs> chill <laughs> chill out Please. You know what killed the dinosaurs? The The Ice Ice Age. (laughs) (laughs) Every line in that movie. Oh, my God. Um, I'm apparently in the minority, though, because Gotham uh, is doing well enough that they just picked it up for a third season. So, Well, yeah, but that's network television. So who knows? I mean... How many NCISs are there again? Yeah. Like, that doesn't really say anything. All that says is that the network people, because the pitch is probably, we'll throw the Joker in at the end of season three. Right. And then the network goes, okay, here's your season three. So don't, yeah. Bad, bad, bad. Yeah. So I think I'm done with Gotham, unfortunately. Um, my next freak out and bear with me is X-Men Apocalypse. Now, I think the movie looks Great. I am very excited for Apocalypse. I'm probably more excited for it than I was for First Class or for uh, Days of Future Past. I love Apocalypse as a villain. Love the whole story behind him. It was one one of the coolest parts. Aside from Days of Future Past, it's like they're ripping all the storylines from the 90s cartoon Hmm. and doing it, which is why I'm loving this series of X-Men movies so much. My biggest problem with it, at least from the way the trailers are showing it, is that because of Jennifer Lawrence's popularity... They seem to be steering the story towards her as like the titular character. Right. Like she's the linchpin of all this stuff. They're even calling her Raven instead of Mystique. 
like all the time and in the the official like descriptions they release as if that's mo- supposed to make us forget that she's a supervillain and that she's going to become a supervillain. And uh, like half the shots you see her in, she's not blue. Yeah, that irritates me. She's in Jennifer Lawrence. And you could be like, well, she's uh, she's accepted or she's hiding in the, in a world where mutants are being persecuted. She's hiding to protect herself, but she's wearing the X-Men outfit. Right. So she should be blue. There's no reason for her to look like a human. It goes no. against the whole thing where she was like loud and proud as a mutant. I'm out and yeah, be proud of who I am. Right. And, and now we have to show uh, everyone in America that Jennifer Lawrence is in this movie. Right. I agree. And it bothers me. Yeah. Was Is that a response to the most recent trailer? Uh, Yeah, more so. Because the most recent trailer was very, like, Jennifer Lawrence-centric. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, I, I kind of agree because, you know, Jennifer Lawrence, I mean, while she is kind of Hollywood's it girl at the moment, mm-hmm. that's not what's selling your movie. I mean, it might be what's selling the movie to like a very small percentage of people. Yeah. Right. But it's not what's selling the movie. I mean, to me, if you're going to talk about like characters who sell this movie, like hands down, it's going to be either Fassbender mm-hmm. or Oscar Isaac. Yeah. I mean. But he's in so much makeup that no one can even tell it's Oscar Isaac. Yeah. But I mean, he's so like. He's from what I've seen so far. I mean, he's very much like he's taken on like this like demigod sort of personality. If they were smart, it would be it would say the poster would be X Men Apocalypse, and at the very top in huge letters, it would say starring Poe Dameron. Yeah, right. <laughs> starring Oscar winner. Or, what did he win an Oscar? I don't even know. But um, yeah, like make several different posters. One that says Oscar Isaac or Poe Dameron, <laughs> yeah, and another one that says like starring Olivia Munn because I mean that's yeah, like, that's right. a huge one. That's a huge. One. I do think though, like it's possible. I'm just being way overly positive about this, but it's possible that when they put the trailer together, they made it look like that to sell tickets. It's totally possible. Yeah. It's totally possible. Yeah. I'm hoping those human looking shots are a very small part of the movie, right? And they're just doing what they need to do to sell the movie, right? Like. Trailers will often be like, trailer one was for us. That looked frogging awesome. And that's why they showed shaved Xavier at the end, shaved right. head Xavier. Right. Trailer two is like, oh, here's our mainstream trailer. That's for the people who were on the fence about it. You could keep her blue and take her clothes off again, like Rebecca Romaine. That sells tickets. You could do that. Naked women. But then they don't know if it's Jennifer Lawrence or not, because they're all confused. Yeah, but they know Anne should be naked. So they'd be like, buy a ticket and you can see Jennifer Lawrence naked. True. <laughs> Did you miss the fappening? <laughs> Check out Jennifer Lawrence in X-Men Apocalypse. She will be nude. <laughs> and prosthetically blue. Hey, Amazon users. If you'd like to help support the show, please go to thegeekgeneration.com and click on the Amazon button, which will bring you right to the Amazon homepage. If you make a purchase after using this link, you've helped the show by earning us a commission, and it won't cost you any extra money. Please use this link for all your future Amazon shopping. Hey, this is John DiMaggio, and you're listening to The Geek Generation. Oh, yeah, baby. All right, let's get into some reviews. Anna, you have a movie that you watched. I did. I watched a movie uh, called Man Up, and I have notes on it. I watched it, too, uh, and uh, Simon Pegg and Lake Bell star in the movie. Yes. So, um, I watched it. Basically, I don't, re- I don't watch romantic comedies. I don't like romantic comedies, but, um, I did pick this one out because of Lake Bell and Simon Pegg because I, Lake Bell was in, um, In a World, which is like one of my new favorite movies it's of a all great time. Movie. And I love Simon Pegg. So, um, I just wrote like a really quick thing. Man Up is a 2015 British French, which I didn't realize romantic comedy. Mm. Starring Lake Bell in a world and Simon Pegg, Shaun of the Dead, obviously. The film follows a single 34-year-old woman who, after being mistaken for a stranger's blind date, finds the perfect boyfriend and 40-year-old divorcee, who's played by Simon Pegg. The film was released um, in May 2015. Mm-hmm. It was cute. I liked it. I'm glad I watched it. For a romantic comedy, it was definitely more for people like us that had our kind of humor. They were doing um, a lot of Silence of the Lambs references and quotes, which I loved. Mm -hmm. It just like cracked me up. I loved that. Lake Bell is very like in both movies. She's very like sarcastic and like real woman. You know what I mean? Like she just strikes me as somebody you'd bump into on the street. Like Mm -hmm. she's very, very authentic and honest. And I really like her a lot. So I thought it was hilarious. It was very cute at the end. It was like uplifting. It was, 
everything you'd want out of a romantic comedy, but without all the cheese. Mm-hmm. So I would definitely recommend people watch it. Those are oddly enough some of my favorite movies. Like I, I'm not a cheesy romantic comedy fan, yeah. but the romantic comedies that are like have substance yeah. and real humor. Right. And real romance. Yeah. Because there's a difference between like movie romantic comedy, like if he's standing outside your door with his boombox over his head, like that's just stupid and like that's not how life or love yeah. works. And so many romantic comedies are purely situational. Yeah. Like somebody didn't say something at this time and yeah. which led to a misunderstanding. Right. And they're just terrible, which is why for the most part I don't watch them. I Literally was only attracted to this movie because of who was in it. Mm -hmm. I said, these two people would not make a shitty movie. So it's got to be good. (laughs) And it was. It is. It's very Um, funny. So I would would highly recommend it to anybody, guys or girls. Like, you liked it. My husband liked it. I wrote down some trivia thing. It says, Simon Pegg reported that Lake Bell stayed in character even when not on the camera. So it wasn't until photography was done. And she thanked the assembled crew that they realized she wasn't British. Ah. That's she funny. and she is so talented She's with method. her her accents and like you if you watch in a world like her accents and her voice stretch so she is, she's, she's very talented so yeah. talented yeah so I would suggest watching it and then you know watch in a world again because it's awesome <laughs> it's just one of my favorite movies <laughs> the girl on the train at the uh, beginning she was good she had a recurring role on Elementary for a while oh okay so I I kind of knew her going in she was great she was great she was great yeah. all the actors I thought were pretty good so. I hope she does more stuff. She directs a lot. She I does. guess if you look at her IMDb page, she directs a ton of stuff. But she's I, a really important, strong female presence in Hollywood. She really I think. is. She really is, and I hope she does more. And I'll I'll support her because she's awesome. Ditto. Love I get her. the I get the impression that she just gives zero fucks. Like I think so. Like she just wants to make the things that she likes. Yeah. She and she just pushes. There for seems that. to be a, a tone to the things she does. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's a it's I think she's an important female role model because she's not it's almost like we've discussed a thousand times about like Ellen Ripley and Alien. It's not that she's a woman. Mm-hmm. She pushes herself as a person. Right. And that's so much more important. If you want real equality, don't be some feminazi bitch that like nobody's going to want to listen to. Right. Just be yourself. Be as strong as you can be and push yourself as, you know, a director and an actor and like all the things that you can do that are great. Just Mm -hmm. do them and do them well, you know. So it's like not even really like a feminist thing. It's just like a human being thing. Like she's just awesome. She's so talented. Yeah, I agree. And I think if like the only bad things that I've read about Lake Bell is that people think that she somehow looks like a man or she's not very good looking. I, I, first of all, I think that's a fucking dumb argument. Right. Cause like, yeah. why, why are you, that, that doesn't make any, like, that doesn't impact it shouldn't her matter. work. Cause no. her work is not like driven by that. No, not at all. But it's not like she's casting herself as a supermodel in something. Right. And she's pretty attractive. She's very pretty, actually. I will say this as, as a lawyer, I like to bolster my point. <laughs> and I will say this. If you think that Lake Bell is not the least bit attractive, I, I would I would ask you I would beg you <laughs> to seek out the me and my place photo shoot that she did. She did a photo shoot with me and my place, which mm-hmm. is like a sort of like it's a great series, tasteful, artsy yeah. like photograph series of like very attractive women, but not just one type of woman, like all types, right. And the photo shoot that they did with Lake Bell, like, I felt really bad about looking at it in public. <laughs> she was really good looking. Yeah. And, but it was very tasteful. But I was like, please, nobody look at my phone when I'm looking at this. She was really good looking. And I mean, the fact that she's also very funny and talented is like, yeah. makes her way more attractive. More Absolutely. Yeah. Paul, you have a video game. I do. Um, so, uh, recently we received a copy from Techland of their most recent. Uh, series Dying Light, The Following, which is a sequel to their uh, successful game Dying Light. Expansion. Um, expansion. If you will. Right, right. Um, that's the word that we want to use. Um, yes. So, <laughs> so if, for all of you that are not familiar, Dying Light is a zombie horror survival game. So uh, you play the role of Kyle Crane. You are a sort of secret agent man that is dropped into this hot zone by a government agency to secure a package. And that is the original premise of Dying Light. The following sort of expands beyond that. You leave the city limits and go into the country in search of a group of people who uh, you have heard are somehow uh, immune to this uh, Mm. zombie virus. 
And so the way the following sort of expands on the series is it kind of opens things up. You're no longer stuck in a city. You're in this very open countryside. Um, it expands your mobility in the way of giving you a car. Mm, a um, buggy. A buggy, which is just like everything else. It is completely destructible. Uh, you have to repair it often. The way that you handle the buggy uh, dictates how long parts last. Um, you are still forced to sort of scavenge around and pick up parts that you can use to build parts for your buggy. There is less emphasis on like the melee aspect of the fighting in the game. Okay. In dying like the original game, like if you used a gun, you were fucked because like zombies would just flock to you and oh, you have, like wow. different. I mean, because it would they would be activated by sound. And okay. You, and there are different breeds of zombies in dying light so like the fast ones would come if you used guns that was a bad idea um but in the following you're kind of forced to use more ranged weapons more often because everything is more expansive okay um and because you do actually encounter more uh human enemies who have their own guns and crossbows and the like so the story is much stronger uh, then I, then dying light, the original, I think, um, there is a significant twist at the end. Hmm. Um, and they do sort of give you this, uh, mass effect esque sort of decision to make that, uh, dictates how like the last five minutes of the game goes. Okay. So it, it's not of huge consequence, but they do give you a choice, cool. which is kind of fun. And it's still everything that was good about Dying Light just sort of carried over into a new expansion. I will say, I mean, I did a full review um, on thegeekgeneration.com that went up a couple weeks ago, so you can check that out there. I, I enjoyed the game. Uh, I got through the end of the story and then sort of stopped playing altogether. Okay. But that's not any uh, fault of the game itself. It's just because the division came out. And, sure. Time constraints. Yeah. Time <laughs> constraints. But um, you can go back and play more in the game as like in the uh, be the zombie mode, which is like kind of like the PVP mode mm -hmm. of the game where you can actually be a zombie and play against people oh, cool. who are playing as you know survivors. Sure. Um, and you can also replay the game with all of your talents and gear from the beginning. So you can kind of be like Superman mode yes. in, you know, like from in the beginning stages of the game, like where you remember struggling so much. Way OP right at the beginning. Right. Yeah. Um, but it, it does amp up the difficulty by making the zombies a little bit more durable. And so like your weapons aren't maybe as effective as you would think they would be. Okay. But overall, it's a pretty good game. They got rid of, uh, the parkour elements, at least, uh, for the most part. That was the most annoying thing oh, yeah? about the original Dying Light was that you had to climb and just jump off of everything. Oh. And they kind of played on your insecurities of whether or not you were actually going to make the jump. After a while, you learned that, yes, my character can make this jump or it can climb up this facade. Mm -hmm. But there's always that uncertainty factor. There's this like millisecond between when you like think you're actually going to fall and you actually grab a ledge or you actually make a jump. Okay. And I think they do that on purpose. To kind of give you that Up sense the tension. of right, but I mean they kind of get rid of that in the following. The there are some parts that are a little bit more like that where you know the tension kind of you know uh, is ramped up. But otherwise, a very good game. Uh, I would recommend getting it if you like the zombie horror survival genre of games. I know there's a few others, but I think Dying Light does it pretty well, and um, I think it's currently available on all platforms. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Sounds cool. Uh, I have a Batman animated movie. We talked a little bit about this stuff before. Uh, Batman Bad Blood. It is based on storylines from several different comic series in Batman. Uh, Battle for the Cowl, Batwoman, Batman and Robin, and Batman Incorporated. It kind of picks and chooses some of those storylines and meshes them all into this one. Uh, I did hear from some people that that was kind of a complaint in that. Each of these stories was very strong on its own and could have easily lent itself to a, a full length movie where they would have actually been able to explore more of the points that maybe they missed in uh, whittling all these down into like a 70 minute feature. Mm. So the premise here is that Bruce Wayne is missing. Nightwing and Robin have taken to the streets of Gotham in his stead with Grayson donning the Bat costume to prevent others from knowing that Batman is gone. A new player, Batwoman, has joined the investigation, and a new villain, Heretic, might be more than Dick and Damien can handle. So on the positive side with this movie, it is the best of the three Batman films in this continuity. So the others that had come out before were Son of Batman and Batman vs. Robin. 
uh, this is the third in that continuity because DC's kind of doing three releases. I think a year is their pattern. They're doing one Batman release, and those all now go in order with each other. Uh, there's doing a Justice League, and those all kind of progress along the same path. And then they're doing like a, a miscellaneous kind of whatever they want to do with the third one. But um, of the three that they've released so far, this is by far the strongest of them. I had some issues with the prior two, even though I still enjoyed them. Uh, but this one stands above those. The story's great. The addition of Batwoman gives us something new to explore in a world where we're starting to feel very familiar with everything that's presented, especially when it is a continuous story and we're all we're seeing the same characters. We know where they've been. We know not necessarily where they're going, but we're starting to learn more about them. So throwing in this new element of Batwoman was very exciting. Uh, I'm not a reader of necessarily the Batwoman comics, but from what I've heard, it's a very, very good interpretation of her. They tell a little, a little bit of her background, why she became Batwoman and all that, I guess, is handled very, very well as far as the way the comics do it, too. Heretic is a villain from the comics as well, although I had zero familiarity with the character. So there is a cool reveal into actually who he is. If you've read the comic series, you know who Heretic is behind the mask. But if you don't, it's a cool twist within this movie. There's also uh, a part in the movie and maybe like the third act where you think the movie's over and there's probably like 20 minutes more. And there's a whole thing you didn't see coming happen that spurs all this other stuff. And you're like, whoa, like, and that was very exciting, too. So even though, like, especially myself, who is very, very familiar with most things in bat lore, they're still pulling the rug out from under me here and there and being just really good storytellers. So that was all great. On the negative side, uh, there's another character from the Bat family that was recently introduced in prior years called Batwing. And no, he's not a human jet, <laughs> but he kind of is at the same time. He has like a robotic suit, uh, like a glowing bat symbol on his and he flies around. He's like Iron Bat. He's like Iron Bat. Yeah. In, in a lot of ways, he is. Um, so Batwing's in the movie, too, but he really didn't add anything. It was almost like, let's throw another person in because double the excitement or whatever. Uh, it would have been a bit stronger, I think, if they focused on the trio of Nightwing robin and batwoman and then when you're introducing a new character that's that interesting if you can spend a little more time on her it makes her that much better of a character so it was almost uh batman and robin feeling in the sense that they're just throwing too many things into the pot and they don't have enough time for all of it yeah uh and then of course i still hate batman's voice in all of these uh Aww. it's i feel bad because the guy himself he's probably a really great actor, uh, Jason O'Mara, but he has like a Scottish accent or an Irish accent as, as he is normally. And he's doing an American accent to do Batman, but there's pieces that are not going away. There's certain ways he pronounces words and there's certain twangs to the way he speaks where he's not completely covering up his accent. Yeah. And to have this be your Batman for both this continuity and the Justice League continuity seems like a really odd choice to me. Hmm. They they could have, I think, gone in with someone a lot stronger that didn't have to didn't have to put on uh, an accent to be a voice actor. Right. But at the same time, Yvonne Strahovski voices Batwoman. And she has an accent normally too, but she does a perfect American Hers accent here. Yeah. So, and she's she's actually great in the movie. So, uh, yeah, I like how in the in the movie, like their uh, Nightwing is like, oh, I need to like play the role of Batman, so nobody knows that he's missing. But in like the first five minutes that he's <laughs> Batman, like everybody that matters knows exactly who he is. Yeah, like Damien looks at him is like. What are you doing in that suit, Grayson? Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, with the first time he meets Batwoman, Batwoman's like, you're not Batman. Yeah. And he's like. They all figure it out so easy. It's so fast. Like, it just, like, within, like, the first five minutes of a, a character meeting them, and they're just like, I mean, with the exception of, like, uh, some of the criminals, they're just like, what are you doing, bro? Right. right. <laughs> he's like, shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> I mean, the reason he's wearing it is, obviously, so the criminal element doesn't know that Batman's gone, but. Everyone is figuring it out really quickly. Yeah, like everyone figures it out. Yeah. But I did I did enjoy the movie overall. I yeah, thought it I liked was it too. worth the watch for sure. Uh, we have one more thing to do before we get out of here. It's not news this week, and we haven't done this in a while because I didn't really find anything that supported it. But we do have some fake news. Woo! So. 
So I don't know if you guys have played the fake news game yet. Usually Volpe's here when we do that. Basically, I have three stories. Two of these are completely real but ridiculous stories that <laughs> are in from the news. And the other one is one that I wrote that is equally as ridiculous as the others. I am ready. I have never played this, but I am hyped okay. to play it. Your job is to guess the fake news story out of these three. So I will read them all first, uh, give a quick reminder as to what they were, and then you guys can give your guesses. Story number one. Nickelodeon has greenlit a live-action TV movie inspired by its iconic game show, Legends of the Hidden Temple. Drawing from the original game show's premise of kids competing to retrieve artifacts from a mysterious Mayan temple, the new action-adventure TV movie version will follow three siblings who embark on a high-stakes mission comprised of obstacles that they must complete in order to escape alive. Story 2. Sony Pictures Animation and WWE Studios have announced a sequel to Surf's Up, the 2007 Academy Award-nominated action comedy about surfing penguins. Titled Surf's Up 2 Wave Mania, the movie features the voice talents of WWE superstars John Cena, The Undertaker, Triple H, Page, and Vince McMahon. Story 3. Sci-Fi and The Asylum have announced that Ian Ziering will slay again in Sharknado 4, reprising his role as hero Finn Shepard, while Tara Reid is set to return as April Wexler to reveal the outcome of the fan-voted April Lives or April Dies social media campaign. The fourth entry will also serve as a reunion of sorts, as Zeering's former 90210 co-star Luke Perry has joined the cast as Will Fisher. Serving as a rival to Zeering's Finn Shepard, Fisher is a glory-seeking opportunist who's branded himself the Shark Slayer and parodies Finn on social media, but may have bitten off more than he can chew. So again, the three stories, TV movie inspired by Legends of the Hidden Temple, uh, surfs up to Wave Mania with WWE superstars as the voices, and Sharknado 4 with Luke Perry as a rival to Ian Ziering. I'm going to say definitely not the first one because nobody gives a shit. <laughs> you, you wouldn't make that up because you'd be like, that's so obscure that Paul and Anna probably never heard of it before and don't care. So it's between the Penguin one or the Sharknado 4. Now, Sharknado 4, obviously, it's pretty obvious that they would make one because they're making money and they're stupid. But I don't know about the whole Perry thing. That may be a stretch. That might be your little twist on like something that may happen, but you made it a little more silly. What do you think, Paul? Uh, I'm 75% sure. <laughs> I think Paul actually follows the news. Yeah, I'm yeah. 75% sure I've heard number one. I've heard of number one and number three. So I am pretty sure it's number two. Pretty sure Penguin it's number movie. two. I'm yeah. going to say, oh, God. That's my final answer. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason I think the Penguin one would be fake because I've never, that's not like something that kids are yet like want. Like, I don't remember the first one. 2007 a sequel from 2007 yeah that's a, that's a stretch yeah. and i'm also not sure about mashing those two properties together <laughs> <laughs> although having john cena in a movie would be incredible uh yeah we're going with the penguin one i think okay so you both are actually agreeing yeah that so, it's okay yeah. uh the fake story is number three what oh are you serious i'm 100 so percent serious oh my god so close See, my my challenge in these is being able to write a story that's as believably stupid as the other two that I read to you. Oh and I, I, I'm so happy when I succeed. But so, is there a Sharknado 4 Okay, so up? I'll go through, go through the reality of each okay. one. So Legends of the Hidden Temple, uh, the TV movie will feature elements from the original game show, including Olmec, a talking head who knows the secrets behind the temple. The Steps of Knowledge, the entrance to the temple and launching pad for the mission, and cameos from a green monkey, red jaguar, and silver snakes, among others. So that's definitely happening, apparently. <laughs> uh, the second one I saw and I was just like, what the hell is this? And they're real... There's character models for this. There's an Undertaker penguin. Like, he has, like, <laughs> a trench coat on and shit. And I'm, oh, oh, what the fuck is oh this? Oh, my God. Uh, Cody Maverick, hungry for a new challenge, convinces an infamous big wave riding crew known as the Hang Five. Voiced by WWE superstars John Cena, The Undertaker, Triple H, Page, and Mr. McMahon, to let him join them on their journey to a mysterious surf spot known as the Trenches, where legend has it they'll find the biggest waves in the world. 
Cody soon discovers that the life he left behind might be more heroic than what any death-defying wave has to offer. I'm looking this up right now. Yeah. <laughs> it. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. Oh my god, it's fucking real. <laughs> oh my god, I can't it's believe real. it. It's completely real. The character models are stupid. Oh They're so god. dumb. They they like I don't know why you have to make them look like the wrestlers. Why is that a thing that needs to happen just because the wrestlers All are right. lending their know. voices? The friggin' to the Undertaker penguins. penguin looks ridiculous. That's what I'm saying. Like he looks ridiculous it's that's so ridiculous bad. that's so bad uh and for sharknado 4 luke perry has not been cast in sharknado 4 and the role of will fisher does not exist okay that's what i thought yeah, yeah. i was for his name i was trying to come up with some sort of play on finn or fish and i came up with fisher as the last name and i just thought it would be funny if luke perry was in now to be honest and this is completely true when I was going to write a fake story before, Luke Perry was not my first like fake casting to throw in this. I was like, what if Gary Busey was in it and he was uh, some mad scientist who was behind the Sharknados the entire time? Because I think that's something Sharknado would do. Uh-huh. Then I looked up the cast. <laughs> oh, no. And Gary Busey actually has been cast in the movie. Oh, my God. And he will be playing a scientist. Oh, my God. That is April's father. That's weird. Now, whether he has anything to do with the Sharknados, I don't know. Uh-huh. But I almost wrote as a fake story. The real story. The real story. <laughs> and I had to ridiculous. abandon that and come up with someone else. <laughs> so I thought 90210 connection. Wow. And then uh, they're doing all this social media stuff with April anyway. So what if someone else had something to do with that, too? Because they seem to be getting all their popularity off social media. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't think anybody actually seeks that movie out. Yeah. So I win that round. Wow. Oh my God. <laughs> I can't believe that surf something is real. Yep. Look it up, people. I'll put pictures to, uh, in both the video version of this that you can watch on YouTube and at thegeekgeneration.com in the show notes. And you can see how ridiculous this surfs up to stuff looks. WWE is just getting in all the kid things. Yeah. All the kid things. Uh, that's it for this week. So final thoughts or something you would like to plug, Anna? Nah. Paulo? <laughs> <laughs> nah. nah just go to thegeekgeneration.com support us any way you can you know leave a review for us on itunes we've got a couple in the last yeah we've been months. getting a few more yeah and you think that doesn't do anything for us but it does it brings up the relevancy of the podcast in the greater itunes scheme so you know if you feel the need definitely let it leave us a uh, review hopefully positive yeah hopefully positive. itunes reviews are the fastest cheapest way you can support the show for sure to see everything else we do, head on over to thegeekgeneration.com. If you use iTunes, please rate the show and write a review, as we just asked. You can like us at facebook.com slash thegeekgeneration and follow at geekgeneration on Twitter. You can watch live podcasts and gaming at twitch.tv slash thegeekgeneration. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Night Angel. Support the show by going to thegeekgeneration.com slash support. Send emails to podcast at thegeekgeneration.com. And as always, the show theme is provided by Machine Supremacy. A link to their site can also be found on our site. We'll be back very soon with more geeky stuff for you, and we will see you then. Later. Make it so.